following sermon was delivered on August 22nd, 2021 at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. Mr. Timothy Cook delivered this sermon entitled The Grace of Giving on 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. Do any of you remember the very first time you bought a gift for someone with your own money? Now, when we're very small children, oftentimes, when we want to buy a gift, perhaps for our mother, for Mother's Day, we'll go to our father and say, Dad, I want to get Mom a gift. And he will very generously give us money to buy that gift. But there's something different about that time when you earned your first money yourself and then gave that as a gift to someone else. Why would you do such a thing? Why would you work hard, work tedious hours, or work in the hot sun doing yard work, and then take that money and buy something to give it to someone else? What would be the cause of such a thing? I dare say the reason you spent your own money on a gift for someone else was because you loved them. You desired to bless them, to give of your own belongings, to grant them joy and help, to give them love as a gift. That is oftentimes why we buy gifts for others, because we love them. That is why we give while we like to receive, we also love to give because we give to those we love. And as Christians, we ought to give as well. And the root of that giving ought to be love as well. As Christians, we ought to have the same joy in giving to Christ's church and to the needs of his people, our spiritual family, as we do giving to our family, and friends. We should have that same love and joy. And in our text this morning, we see that God calls his people to exercise the grace of giving, to practice the grace of giving, to love their brothers, and to give for his church, for Christ's people. We see that this morning in our text, and we see three distinct sections of our text. First, and it's jumping into the middle of our text, in verses 7, 8, and 10 through 15, we see the Apostle Paul exhorts the Corinthian church to excel in the grace of giving. And then we see in verses 1 through 6 an example of those who have excelled in the grace of giving. And finally, in verse 9, we see the one who has poured out his grace upon us. And that grace fuels our giving. So look with me to our text this morning at verses 7 and 8. 
And then 10 through 15, as we see an exhortation to excel in the grace of giving. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire it. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that you should be easy and others burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. In verse 7, we see the apostle Paul urge the Corinthians to excel in this act of, um, this act of grace. <clears throat> he has encouraged them Prior to telling them to excel at this, uh, earlier in the chapter, Paul had admonished the Corinthians for several things. But now he is also encouraging them as well. He says that they excel in many things. They excel in their faith and their speech and their knowledge and their earnestness. They excel in Paul's love for them. He loves the Corinthian church. He desires that they grow in this faith. He desires that they grow in the grace which Christ has given this them. And he wants them to grow in the grace of giving. He tells them to excel in the act, this act of grace, this grace of giving, just as much as they excel in everything else. He wants them to give. He wants them to practice this grace which Christ has told them to practice. In verse 8, he tells them, He's not commanding them to do this. Now, you might think that when he says, see that you excel in this act of grace, that sounds a lot like a command. But Paul here is telling the Corinthians, he's not using the power of his apostolic office to force them to give. Instead, he is exhorting them as their brother. And encouraging them. He could have used the power of his office. He says a similar thing to, um, to Philemon when he tells him to receive Onesimus in uh, Philemon. He tells him that I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. Paul here is not using the authority of his office to force the Corinthian churches to give, rather, he wants them to prove. Their love for the brethren is a genuine love. He wants them to love their brothers. He wants them to love the people of God. Because that is what we are supposed to do. In 1 John chapter 3.16, John says that by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed in truth. The Apostle Paul is exhorting the Corinthian church to love not in word, 
not in planning to give or desiring to give, but to love the brethren in Jerusalem where this money will be sent to in deed. To prove their love is genuine by what they are doing. He wants them to excel in the act of grace. He wants them to excel in their love for the brethren. In verses 10 through 12, he tells them that in this matter, he gives his judgment. This matter is the giving to the church of Jerusalem. Now, I probably should have given a little bit of historic context before getting here, but the context of this passage, the church of Jerusalem was in need. They were suffering. The church of Jerusalem, as, as you know from the book of Acts, was one of the first to begin suffering persecutions for their faith. And they were, uh, <clears throat> they were needing care. They were needing help. They were hard-pressed. And so Paul, loving the church, had begun to exhort the churches that they ought to be giving to the church in Jerusalem to care for their brethren. He had uh, told the Corinthian church in, uh, previously in 1 Corinthians 16 that he wanted them to collect for the saints. He told them that as he directed the churches of Galatia, so also the church of Corinthia was to do. On the first day of every week, they were supposed to put something aside and store it up as they may prosper so that there would be no collecting when Paul came. And when he arrived, he would send those whom the Corinthians accredited by letter to carry their gift to Jerusalem. So he had already begun this process of getting the church in Jerusalem to set money aside each Lord's Day and and the giving of the congregation. As they were worshiping the Lord, they were setting aside money and their worship of the Lord and their love for the Lord and their love for the saints and Now they are supposed to continue this work that they had previously started, but they had somehow fallen off. He tells them to finish what they started. It would benefit them because they started a year ago and they desired to give, and yet they had not finished this work which they had been called to do, this giving for the churches in Jerusalem. They had started to slow down in their love and their zeal. So Paul exhorts them, finish this. It would benefit them to grow in the graces which God has poured out upon you. You must attend to the means of grace. You must grow. You cannot merely sit there and think, well, this is going to infuse me by just sitting here. No, go forth. And do what God has called you to do. Go forth and make use of the means of grace. Paul is telling them, go forth and finish this work which you have started for the church in Jerusalem. Don't just think about it. Don't just desire it. Actually do it to grow in this race. And he also offers them some comfort here. The Corinthians had plenty of money. They had riches, and yet somehow or another they thought that perhaps in their giving they might be taken advantage of. Perhaps they would lose everything they had. Paul tells them, no, that's not what's going to happen here. The saints are to care for one another. If you have a need down the road, the saints ought to care for you as well. And even if they don't, 
He offers them one of the greatest consolations they could have. In verse 15, he says, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. He references back to the giving of the manna in the desert. The Lord your God will provide for your needs, Corinthian church. You need not be afraid of giving to the church in Jerusalem. Even if you lose all you have, your God can provide you with bread from heaven. Do not be afraid to give. The Lord will provide for you. So we see here as Paul exhorts the Corinthians to give, so also we see an exhortation to ourselves to practice the grace of giving as well. We ought to be a generous and giving people. We are called to it. We are not to give under compulsion or grudgingly, as Paul says later in chapter 9. We are to give joyfully, thankfully, because of the Lord our God. And so I encourage you, I exhort you, practice the grace of giving. Give generously. Give of what you have to the church, to the work of God's people, to the care for the saints. Don't just think about doing it. Don't just plan to do it. Actually do it. Use your money for the Lord's work. Give. Find a need and give. Give in the offering. This, if I can take a small sidetrack, is one of the great benefits of the diaconate. That is part of their job, to find those needs, which the monies that have been given to the church can be put to use for. So I would encourage you to pray that the Lord would send deacons to Antioch Presbyterian Church, that we would have men who are specially equipped for that work, that they would encourage us more and more to the giving of the need for the need for the saints. Give Antioch Presbyterian Church and don't be afraid to give. Your God is the God who gave manna to the Israelites in the desert. Your God can and will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You need not sit back and think, well, my budget is so tight this month. If I give, perhaps that will hurt me. If I give, perhaps I'll have to eat rice and beans a couple more times this week. Don't worry. The Lord will provide for you and you can give to his people. So that is our first point, the exhortation to excel in the grace of giving. And second, we see in verses one through six, an example of those who have been given this grace and who are practicing this grace of giving. Paul says that he wants the Corinthians to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So Paul here in these First six verses is using the example of the churches in Macedonia to encourage the Corinthians to excel in this grace of giving. The Macedonians 
have been giving to the relief fund for Jerusalem, even though they were suffering from severe poverty. Uh, St. Clair Ferguson, when he was talking about this passage, said that it's as if Paul is stirring them up to a kind of holy competition. That's a paraphrase. But it's not so much that Paul is trying to get them to outdo each other and compete for worldly sakes. No, Paul is using the example of the Macedonian church to stir up the hearts of the Corinthians, to encourage them so that they see the Macedonian church and they say, look how much our brothers love the Lord and love his church. Wow. That is an encouragement. We see that Paul does a similar thing over in chapter 9, verse 2, when he tells the Corinthians that he had already been boasting to the people of Macedonia about the Corinthians' desire, their zeal to give. He's stirring up each of these churches, each of these congregations, telling them, look how much your brothers love their Savior and his people. That is meant to encourage the hearts of the Corinthians, to stir them to holy affection so that they desire to give, not out of a place of grudging, not they're sitting there thinking, well, Paul told me I had to give. No, it's so that they say, I want to give. I want to be like my brothers. I want to be like my savior. The Macedonians are to stir, their their example is to stir up the Corinthians. Further, the contrast between the Macedonians' extreme poverty and the Corinthians' abundance in that time is meant to stir them up. When you see a brother who lacks much in the way of finances, being generous with his money, doesn't that make you repent of your own cold-heartedness? Doesn't that make you desire to give more? Doesn't that stir up your holy zeal for the Lord and for his church wanting to accomplish much for your Savior? When we see those around us who are giving, who are helping Christ's church, it ought to stir us up. It ought to encourage us. Further, the act of the Macedonian churches giving themselves first to the Lord and then to us is to encourage the Corinthians as well. Paul reminds them, the Macedonians have given themselves to the Lord Jesus. That is what has ignited this generosity, this giving. They've given themselves over to Christ completely. They're relying on him. Corinthian church, rely on your Savior. Antioch Presbyterian, rely on your Savior. Trust in him. That is the way to loosen your grip on these world's goods so that you may be more generous. You must give yourself first to the Lord. And then you may give yourself to the Lord's people. So we see in this example, an example not only for the Corinthians, but an example for us as well. These Macedonian churches who in affliction and poverty have sought to give greatly to the relief of their brothers and sisters ought to encourage us as well. We ought to follow their example as well. This is one of the great blessings of seeing the examples of saints in the scripture, of seeing the examples of saints in in biographies or other good books, is it encourages us 
in our faith and we say, I want to follow the Lord like my brothers and sisters are following the Lord, it stirs us up and gives us zeal. So saints, rejoice. Give thanks to God for the examples that he's given us. Praise the Lord that the Macedonian church gave themselves first to Christ and then to the saints. Follow their example. Rejoice. The Lord has given you examples. And I would encourage you, continue to search out the scriptures for examples of those who've gone before you in the faith. Continue to read good Christian biographies. Study the examples of those who've gone before. Look at those who are older than you in the faith. Follow them as they follow Christ. Follow them and their faith and their piety. Follow them in their examples of giving. Let that encourage you. And be an example yourself to encourage the saints. That does not mean you sound trumpets when you give. We are not to do that. But people around you notice. Husbands and wives, you know when your spouse gives. Children know when their parents give. Be an example. Parents, be an example for your children. Husbands and wives, be an example for each other. Be an example of giving to Christ's church. Our third point this morning, focusing on verse 9, we see the one who has given us grace that we might exercise the grace of giving. The shortest part, but the most beautiful part. Verse 9 says that, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Thomas Manton, the Puritan, once said that God gave us riches as a means to escape wrath by a liberal and charitable distribution of them to his glory. Christ Jesus, though he was rich, though he dwelt in the ivory palaces, though he sat upon his glorious throne, though all the heavenly host sang his praises endlessly, though he was surrounded by the riches of heaven, streets of gold, gates of pearl, precious stones, Things which seem beautiful and glorious to us, he left all of that. Why? To live as a man, to accomplish the Father's will, to obey the law of God, so that by his active and his passive obedience, his entire full scoped obedience to the Father, he might save his people. He left his riches in heaven and became poor for your sake, for my sake, for his people's salvation. He did not count it loss. It was joy for him to save his people, to save his bride. He became poor. And in his poverty, we are made rich. 
through his death on the cross for our sins, the justification which he provides for us. Christ Jesus has made us rich. In Ephesians 1, we read about all of the blessings that we have in Christ. Paul exclaims, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, the treasure house of heaven is flung open wide, and we are given all of the riches of God in Christ. And saints, even better than that, we have Christ himself. Far better than any riches we could have here on earth. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, the most beautiful treasure of heaven, the one who makes streets of gold and precious gems, concrete, asphalt, mundane things. Christ, the glorious, the most beautiful, our precious Savior. We are made rich. Because we are in him, because he has given himself to us. Christ Jesus is the reason why we can be generous and give to others. We have the best riches of all, not earthly riches that fade away, eternal riches, a savior. Saints, rejoice, sing praises. Christ is Savior of sinners. Trust in him, and you will have riches incomparable. You will have all of the treasure in heaven. That's why he left his splendors, for the salvation of his people. So rejoice that he did that. Trust in him. Remember the riches that you have in Christ. Remember how much better they are than anything you have here on earth. When you are tempted to have a tight grip on worldly goods, when you say giving will be difficult, remember your Christ who gave all for you. Let that loosen your grip. Let that make you generous. Love your Lord Jesus. Love his people. Love his church. And give generously to the work of the church. Give generously to the relief of the saints. Let your riches in Christ loosen your grip. And most of all, tell others about the riches to be found in Christ. We are beggars who have found the bread of life. Tell all those around you Tell others of Jesus. They need it most desperately. We need Christ most desperately. We must, must tell those around us, be generous in your giving of worldly goods. Be generous and faithful in your proclamation of Christ, the risen Savior. Thanks. we have seen here in this text that we have an exhortation to the grace of giving. We ought to give. We have an example to encourage us to give. And the Macedonians, most of all, we have the best reason to give Christ, the King of glory, our risen Savior. So, saints, I encourage you. I exhort you. Give. Be generous. 
Don't just think about it. Do it. Children, you too can practice the grace of giving. You too can give. Perhaps you can work extra chores to earn some money to give. Or when you see your mom doing dishes or other chores, give of your time and help her. Give her some relief. Practice this grace. Grow in this grace. Your Lord Jesus has given you the grace which you need to do this. So follow him and obey him. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.